0: It's kind of what we're talking about today, actually. This is the third week of a sermon series we've been doing called More Than Enough. And um, we've been looking at uh, the second letter to the Corinthian church. Uh, the Apostle Paul planted a bunch of churches, like Family Bible Church. We are a, a part of his heritage here in that, you know, God moved amongst the people and started to work in the community just like the churches that Paul planted family bible and all churches are mission organizations that means we are trying to reach into the community where we are okay? We talk a lot about missions. Matter of fact, I got an email this morning while we were worshiping from Brian and Becky Schrader who are in Africa, Chad Africa. And we're all like, wow, Chad Africa, you know, but they're going there to start a work that will eventually look like a local church in Africa. That's what they're going to do is reach the people. Um, I know when we went to uh, Guatemala and Honduras, the hope, I mean, we, we went to um, Jeremiah Project in Guatemala. That became a, an, um, uh, a ministry run by Guatemalans for Guatemalans. That was the intent of the start of that ministry. Same thing in Honduras, a promise home built. His great vision is to really have that be run by pastors and leaders locally in, in the town there. Not that they don't have pastors, but maybe they don't see the need that's among them. Same deal here for us at Family Bible Church. So Paul writes the second letter to the church in Corinth, and he starts kind of speaking to the, the promise of a, of a of a commitment to what God is doing in, in um, Corinth to remind them of the hope that they've received in Christ. And we've been talking for the last couple weeks about the reality of the abundance that God has given us, you and me we have, and the whole title is more than enough. And I don't know if you've been thinking about that in your own life, but I've really been thinking about that, how much I've been entrusted with for God's glory. And the only thing that restrains me Is fear I don't know about you but the only thing that keeps me from totally selling out and following Jesus is fear fear of the unknown fear of the what-ifs fear of other people's opinions fear of how people but it's all rooted in a fear and not a fear of God but a fear of other other people in my life and so uh, and myself right I mean our own fears keep us from faithfully following God well, in the third week, we're going to talk about this idea of faithful ministry, okay? Now, I'm going to take ministry off the high shelf here. When I say ministry, I don't mean church. I don't mean a program. I mean serving, like a faithful service to the people of God for the glory of God. And what that does is, for you and for me, it takes it off this platform where it's for, you know, ordained people or for special or called or whatever mark we want to put on people, and it puts us puts it down here on the body of Christ to serve in the way that God has called you and me to serve. I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently, and they said, man, you know, I, I did this one thing, I couldn't believe how powerful and, and, and impactful it was, and I, and I said, you know what, I'm convinced that if all of us only did what God called us to do, the work of the church would happen. I don't mean family Bible church, I mean the big C church. If we were faithful, had allegiance to Christ, to Jesus Christ, and served in that moment, whether it's uh, with a neighbor or a friend or a coworker or your spouse or your children or your parents, if we are faithful to the moment, the work of the church would happen. faithful to the responsibilities that God has given us. And we've been talking about the reality of all the gifts He's given us to, um, uh, to manage, to use we glory, we talking about that for a few weeks. Today we're going to talk about this idea of transparency in ministry. So uh, we've been reading in the 8th, 9th, and 10th chapters of 2 Corinthians and talking about the, that idea. But today we're kind of turning. So if you can imagine the first two weeks were kind of about the abundance of Christ and, and, and sharing that gift with others, being joyful in our giving. Today it's about having an open heart, an open Door and open book policy to when people come and examine your life. Or more specifically, our life as the church. We open our books and say, This is how we do it. We're doing the best we can with what we have. Maybe you don't open yours. Maybe most of us are kind of closed about those things. Transparency in our service and our ministry before Christ. As we get into the word today, we're going to uh, pray as we always do. that he would give us wisdom to understand. We, we don't want worldly, man-made, good ideas. We want the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very present God, to speak into your heart and my heart today so we'll be changed, transformed eternally for his glory. That's where a big ask. But join me as we pray today that that would happen. Father, we've come into your presence, seen praises to you, caught up with the angels in glory and, and, and honor and even father it's uncomfortable for us because we we feel still bound here to this earth and place and yet drawn towards your eternal glory and it's this kind of in-between space where we live our lives we want to know you more fully the prayer we prayed in that song we want to see you speak with you as if you're in the room you are in the room father we give you glory and praise for your presence today And therefore we ask with great confidence, Father, that as we open your word, you would inspire us to understand it. Just as you inspired the apostles and the saints to write, to to record these great truths of scripture, today, Father God, we ask that you would put off the flesh of our minds, of our hearts, our broken ears, our broken eyes, and that we could become those people who Jesus prayed about when he said, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, let them hear. may you manifest that promise today. May you change us through the reading, through the understanding, and more importantly, through the living out of your word, that you would be glorified by us and all people. And we pray this in the powerful, sovereign name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm gonna ask you to turn with me. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, grab one of ours. Um, we think it's really important to get eyes on what we're saying and you see for yourself. We're going to be looking at the uh, starting with the eighth chapter, the 15th, 16th verse of the second letter to the Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and this is what he says. I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern that I have for you. Titus is another dude who's been serving with Paul. Paul and his buddies are going out serving in the world, kind of recklessly following Christ. Paul was a man who didn't believe Christ was God at all until Christ revealed himself to Paul. It's the miracle of Revelation. And here... He says, I'm sending Titus, who has the same concern that I have for you. 17. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. He's coming of his own desire for you. And reading on in 18. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised of all the churches for his service to the gospel. Let me see where I'm at here. Okay. And so I want to talk about a few things first right out of 16 and 17 here. Let's see where I'm at. All right. So the first thing is this. I want you to see, see Paul would go and plant a church and he would move on and plant another church, but his heart was always with the people he had started to work with. He would always check back with them, right? And what he says here about Titus, who's going back to the church in Corinth, he's saying, he has a great heart for you. He has a great heart for the work you're doing. And that's why he's coming to have his own own, um, volition, his own desire. He really wants to be there. And I mention this first because the truth is that anytime we're going to look at faithful ministry, it's going to be driven by a desire for the good of others, right? I mean, Titus didn't go back to Corinth because he had nothing better to do. He went back because it would be a blessing to them that he would go back. The same thing when the apostle Paul sends this letter with Titus. He says, you know, this is for your blessing. Later on in 10, he's going to say, I'm coming to speak to you in person, but I send this to be a blessing. The same heart and concern that Paul says, I have for you. And in fact, I'm sure he would say it's the same heart and concern that Christ has for his church. That's the reality. It's rooted in the reality of our desire to serve others, to go with great enthusiasm and of our own initiative. Concern for others drives faithful ministry. I don't know if you've had any experiences like this in your life as a follower of Christ, but where you get bent towards someone that you ought not be worried about. I don't know if you've had that experience where you meet a stranger or you talk, there's a coworker and they're in your heart and you're like, but Lord, I don't even know this person that well. Very distinctly or clearly, you could be being called into the mission field to serve in that way faithful response to the gospel. Believing that he's called you to it. A concern for others, a desire to help others. Faithful ministry. Look, it even says, and they are sending along with him a brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. I mean, the gospel is evangelion; it's good news, right? Just bringing hope to those who are hopeless. How many people are uncomfortable being weird? Yeah? Mike, I know you are not. You're lying this morning in church. <laughs> I've seen enough of your personal lie. Okay, don't even, let's don't go there, Michael. Anyone uncomfortable being weird? Yeah, I know, right? It's, you don't want to be that guy or that lady. You don't. You don't want to be the weird one. But sometimes the concern for someone else will override or overpower your own human desires to not be weird, and you'll have to make the first move, the first statement. The the first reach. The Bible says something crazy. It says we, we actually rescue people as being delivered from the flames of hell with the gospel. We don't deliver them, but we bring the good news. We bring the hope of Christ into a dark world. All faithful ministry begins with the desire to serve others. All right. Reading on. 19, this is what the word says. What is more, he has chosen by the churches to accompany us. He has been chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honor the Lord Himself and to show our eagerness to help. We've been honored to, and this is, I'm talking about faithful ministry, opening up and being clear about what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it right? And I've already told you there's a lot of abuse in churches about financial matters. I get it. You know, I read an article this week about an unnamed pastor who's building a $16.1 million estate. I would like to move into his, like, guest house, (laughs) you know? I mean, I'm not really mad at him for it, but, you know, I get it. There are people who are just doing really well, off the gospel i'm not mad about that but the truth is that paul says that we're called to be faithful of it's an honor to to care for and administer the gift and this is what he says he says this to the faithful administration of the gift is first and foremost And this is where we're rooted here i hope and pray at family bible church is directly honoring to jesus Does that make sense? I mean, if you are entrusting what you've given, what you've decided in your heart to give to Family Bible Church, I pray to God that we are being faithful before Christ and that that's an honor to him. One of my favorite things, I got to go out last night and hang out with some people, and I was bragging on Family Bible Church, and I wasn't bragging on you like, boy, you ought to see what we're doing because you know you see what we're doing is kind of a mess, right? I mean, it is sometimes. It's just a mess around here, and that's not, I'm not saying that's good or bad. It just is, Right? But I said, you know what? Somebody says, uh, they asked me, so do you want to grow your church? That's the question that a stranger asked me. They found out I was a pastor. So do you want to grow your church? You know? And I said, you know what we want to do? We want to make people who really follow Jesus. Like, we want to make people who really follow Jesus. And that may or may not be to the benefit of Family Bible Church. We want you to really, really follow Jesus in your life. Why? Because it honors Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. We want to use everything that's been entrusted to our care, our time, our talents, our treasures, to honor Christ. We've been challenged sometimes, well, why, do you, why are you doing this or why aren't you doing that? Man, we're doing the best we can. We're praying that God would give us clarity on how to use what he's given us. But we want to first and foremost honor Jesus. The Bible says that a faithful administration of the gifts honors Christ himself. Honors Christ Like, if there's no other reason to be faithful with the opportunities God has given you, that's enough. If if there's no manifestation on this earth of the proof that you've been faithful, to know when you get there that our Father says, well done, good and faithful servant, and that Jesus says, I was honored by the way you treated me with the opportunities that I gave you. Right? Right? And I, then, see, I, I even say that with great conviction because I don't feel like I always do that myself. But boy, I try. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful in my administration of the gifts. Paul says in 19, you can see it right there. I'm going to read it again. What is more, he has chosen by the churches, this is the guy Brian to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself honor jesus himself and the second thing that we do when we faithfully administer the gifts that are given and again this is not just financial but time and talent as well When we faithfully administer those gifts we actually help others we actually help others this is what it says it will honor the lord himself in 19 and show our eagerness to help I mean, what a cool opportunity. And that's what, you know, I was, we had a chance to talk about last night. I said, how, how awesome that we can help others follow Jesus better. Like, how awesome an opportunity is it for us to say, you know, this was the person asking me, was a believer themselves, I found it. I didn't know in the moment, but I found out later they were a believer, right? Man, how's that working for you? What does your life look like in Christ? Well, I'm going to this church. Great, but what do you, what does it look like to follow Jesus for you? I got, I got so caught up in this conversation, I had to apologize, because this was like polite company. I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't ask me that question, you know what I mean? It's, it's real. What does it look like for you to follow Jesus in your life? It's, it's not just about going to church on a Sunday and punching a card. It's not just about dropping an offering in a joy box in the back and going, woo, when you do it. It's about really, that song we sang, give it, you want it all. Give yourselves to Christ. Your work, your marriage, your parenting, your being a child, everything. To somehow serve Christ. And that, that results in a lot of hard conversations. But to really help people when you show up. The word says that, um, that it's good news when, what does it say? The hills, the feet of the hills are good. What does it say? What's that verse? When people bring good news. What is it? Yeah, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Man, to show up in someone's life and bring that kind of news to someone. What an opportunity we've been given to faithfully administer the gifts. Praise God. Praise God. An eagerness, an eagerness, Paul says, to help others, right? Right? Now, here's where we're going to get a little more to the examination. I love this. In, chat, in verse 20, he says, we want to avoid any criticism in the way we administer this liberal gift. And I'm gonna, this, is gonna, this has kind of been the overarching theme the entire time anyway, you know, with these three weeks. But I'm just convinced of it, that God has given us more than enough to do all that he's calling us to do. That means, as a church, Rick talked this morning, how could we possibly do that? When he's calling us to do it, he'll give us more than enough to do it, right? I mean, we are faithful with what he's given us. The same thing in our personal lives. Boy, if someone could only help that person, if someone could only serve that person, listen, he's given you more than enough to serve, to help. I get that from right here in verse 20. We want to avoid criticism, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute, of the way we administer this liberal gift. This liberal gift. He, you remember that he's writing to the church and he's exhorting them to follow through what they promised they would do, that they were eager to help. He said, you were the first ones. You were the example for the churches, Corinth. You love to be part of the ministry of Jesus. Now follow through your commitments. But here he calls the gift the church is giving liberal. I love the word liberal. I know some of you probably don't, right? Anyone? You're already like twitching. The liberal, he said it. Liberal in church. Listen, it's in the Bible. It's Okay? Okay? liberal means abundant liberal means more than enough liberal means when you have your waffles and you get the first little scoop of the butter out and you waste it all on one side and you go oh i'm out of butter and you look up and there's a whole bowl full you know what i mean no waffle eaters here this morning (laughs) do you like butter in every square of your waffle do you? Yeah, it's so. If it's warm, it soaks in, man. And you put the syrup on it—real maple syrup, by the way—and it's just, oh, it's so. The Bible says, "Taste and see." You know, you can have like a spiritual experience eating a waffle properly. Do you believe that? I don't know my wife's like glutton, glutton, glutton. She said, <laughs> "You know, it's so good." Jesus, this waffle is so good. It's what it means, thick. This thick—that's what the. Greek means it means thick gift. You've given us this thick gift, and we don't want any criticism. When we administer the thick gift. We want to spread it around. We want to make good use of it. Wow. I mean, God has given us more than we need and more than enough to do all He is calling. You see, Paul's not writing back to the churches, kind of screaming about the want of his ministry. He, you don't find a place where he says, if we only had a little more, we could do more work. He's like, no, be faithful. We have more than we need to do the work. He says, I don't want to face criticism when administering this liberal, thick gift in Christ. Man, what an opportunity we have. And, and I'm convinced, and this is the whole thing, I'm convinced that it's all in how we look at it. You can have two people in the same situation have the same experience and have completely different trajectories, completely different attitudes about what that means. You can have someone who has like three grains of rice in their hand and they go, that's all I get. And you can have someone who has three grains of rice and they go, wow, I can't believe I have three grains of rice. Same rice. Same humanity. Different perspectives. Different perspectives. Praise God for his liberal gifts. Praise God that he's entrusted us with them. I kind of hope, it's funny, I told you this before, but I think part of what God does when he blesses us is he makes it weigh on us. What are you going to do with what you've been given? How are you going to faithfully administer those gifts that he's poured out so lavishly on you? It's huge, it's real, and it's heavy. Paul says we don't want to face any criticism for the way that we've administered these liberal gifts, man. Praise God. Praise God for that. And then we already talked about how Jesus will be honored through our faithful administration, our faithful ministry with those gifts. Now, here we go. In 21, I told you to talk about this. We don't want to be, face criticism because we are taking great pains to do what is right. Not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men, okay? And so Paul's going to set up two people, two groups that we work before all the time. Especially in church world. I mean, all of us do. All of us do. So let's be clear. The way you serve, the way you uh, work, God sees it. You know? Like, one of the things that scares me the most right now in our culture is that we keep trying to find new ways to hide, we do. We keep trying to find new ways to hide. I mean, this goes away from, like, you know, the, the little kids who, who eat chocolate, and have it on their face and go, I didn't eat any chocolate, right? That's cute. To, like, super big corporations who own, like, a mailbox in a foreign country so they can tra- transfer funds to there and avoid, you know, admitting what they actually earn. I didn't make any money, right? It, it's this huge problem. And we continue to act as if we can hide, Very practical things in your life. I don't know if you know this, but we have all these smartphones. I have all this data on it. Guess what? The latest update that came out on my smartphone, it had an automatic lock on it. I'm like, why is my phone locked? I don't want my phone locked. I had to go and disable the lock. Well, because you don't want anybody seeing your private information. You don't want people getting into your business. But you see, the truth is this. We serve a God who sees everything. When you go to work, God sees the way you work, the way you serve. I'm not trying to scare you. I know kids, you're like, oh, I heard that when I was a kid. I mean, Jesus is watching. No, he's like, no, but he's he's not absent. He's there. He's present in everything. Paul says, we want to faithfully administer it first before the Lord, right? Read it with me. For we are taking great pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, and he starts there, not only in the eyes of the Lord, because he sees it. He sees how we interact I'll give you one more example, and this is the truth, and this is kind of funny and a little embarrassing. But one of the things that we've realized in our home, and I don't know how it is in your home. I don't know, you know, where you are. Maybe you guys in college, you have roommates that do this stuff. Webcams, Instagram, you know, uh, um, I don't know what else, YouTube. (laughs) And you see parts of your life showing up on the internet, and you're like, I didn't know that was being recorded. Anybody have that experience yet? Just me? Okay, don't go search the internet for that. There's stuff that I'm like, I didn't know that was going to be out there. I didn't, Chris and I talk a lot of times, you know, you, you, you catch it. You don't even know how you're being. And someone's watching. Someone's listening. It's recorded. All these devices exist right now, and they're capturing moments, capturing times in our lives, and maybe some angles we don't want to see. Paul says, we do we, we, we put great pains in play. We work very hard to make sure that whatever angle we are looked at by anyone, it'll be honoring to Christ. First before the Lord, he says. First before the Lord. So God sees faithful ministry. And this kind of goes back to the Jesus is honored himself because you see, God sees when it's faithful and not faithful, man. And that's what we want to be, faithful servants. That's our goal. So God sees it. The second, and this is about facing criticism, is before men. We want to be faithful servants before men. We want, we want to be open and say, this is how we're doing it, you know. And we talked a few weeks ago about the difficulty FST has. That's our financial support team, fiscal support team here at Family Bible Church. When they look at our books and they see the reality of how your faithful giving and our faithful administration kind of come together in this moment of financial crisis, <laughs> kind of. I mean, it does. It just kind of culminates in this moment where the waves kind of break, and there's, you know, like, we're where we started, you know. But I will say this, too, um, and I'm very sincere in this. We have seen God slowly, steadily blessing our church. I know Rick just said we don't have enough, have enough to do this yet, but he, he's been moving in our hearts and moving us toward wise stewardship, good uses of the out of the resources he's allocated to us through your faithfulness. So I don't want to belittle that at all. I'm convinced that we're so used to microwaves we can't stand a, a crock pot or a pot on the stove, right, to really do what God is calling us to do. Well, first, it's before God taking great pains, but then secondly, before the eyes of men. And we really want, as Family Bible Church, to serve um, uh, faithfully, we want to be very honest with you guys about what's going on. And we try to do that. We talk about the struggle that one hour a week, one and a half hours a week here on Sunday mornings, town halls every quarter. We're going to be in family groups real soon. Family groups can be a way to really be involved in family Bible church to really do life together and know each other well. We're excited about that. But all these ways we try to communicate what we're doing. I will say clearly, if you ever have any question about how anything is being handled, come and ask us we will gladly sit down and look through all the ugly details and explain everything we've been doing because we've been trying so hard to be faithful as a church, as part of God's big church, faithful to our call, faithful to our mission, and faithful with what God has given us. We want that kind of integrity before both God and men, and that's a little little different. All right, so Paul wraps up there, and then we're going to flip ahead uh, to chapter 10, because he kind of talks about just sending those guys and coming. And we've already talked about chapter 9 last week, God loves a cheerful giver, and how we're not supposed to give out a compulsion. And I'm just going to start in chapter 10, uh, verses, uh, I'm going to start with verse 1. I'm going to read a few here. So you going have to get the narrative here, but he says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Now this is Paul, he's going to kind of turn toward a very personal matter. He says, I, Paul, who am, quote, timid when face-to-face with you, but, quote, bold when you're away. There's this idea that he's dealing with some accusations about, you know, you're a big letter writer, but you're not much when you're here, okay? Here's what he says. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Paul kind of right here throws down a gauntlet over ministry, Because I know we've been talking for the last weeks about faithful giving and faithful stewardship and all those things, right? But here Paul says, I'm going to come and I'm going to confront those who've been challenging us on the way we serve as if we serve like the world does. So all this stuff we've been talking about, it's almost immaterial to the truth of the work that we have been given to do as the church of Jesus Christ. And in verse 3, we're going to pick it up. Now read with me. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to read one more, and then we're going to talk about them. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Paul turns here in the 10th chapter after talking about stewardship and gifts and financial and transparency and all this awesome stuff. And he says, but we do not serve with the tools of the world. We don't. Listen, Family Bible Church doesn't and ought not serve with tools of the world. We should be faithful. We should be diligent. But fundamentally, the gift that we've been given to proclaim in Christ and His very Spirit in us is what empowers us to do life-changing ministry. Does that make sense? It's it's not even about at the end of the day. That's why, and I love it. You know um, that the church is unstoppable when it's focused on jesus and i don't mean bigger buildings bigger campuses i mean the church of jesus christ making disciples of jesus christ inviting the holy spirit to transform our lives is unstoppable when it's rooted in the gospel when it's rooted in the power the tools that god has given us through his holy spirit and and all this other stuff falls short of the true glory of god in this church And that's what Paul says. He turns and he says, this isn't even about money. This is about faithfulness with the gifts you've been given. This is about proclaiming the gospel in your community. Later on in this chapter, he actually says, the gospel came as far as you, praise God, but it should not stop there. We desire we reach those beyond you, not for our glory, but for their sake and for the glory of Christ. Jesus would be glorified. Through our faithful administration of the gifts. The truth is that faithful ministry requires uh, faith filled disciples. That's what it is. Faithful ministry requires faith filled disciples. And I'm telling you, I stand up here as a guy in the middle on this man. I stand up here as a, I, I see God working powerfully, and I praise Him for the work. And yet, I know there's times I miss the boat. I know there's times I've been disobedient. I don't know about you. That's how it feels for me. I want to be more obedient, faith-filled disciple of Jesus. Disciple means learner. You know, follower of Jesus. We just follow Him. Proclaim him and let him work in people's lives. And then we stand in amazement as he transforms people for his glory and the good of his people. This kind of gets to the whole mission of the church, to not hold people for ourselves, but release them for Christ. This is what our job is. The reality, Paul says, I want you to see a couple things. The divine power demolishes strongholds, demolishes strongholds. And I want to invite you this morning that if there's an area of your life that just stuck, that, you know, a stronghold is, it's like this this thing you can't get out of, you're like, you know, you're stuck in it up to your knees, you're mired, you can't move, you don't know what's next, you're frustrated, that the power of God, the promise of the gospel, the reality of Christ in your life can free you from that, can transform your life. Paul says it here, this power has the ability to demolish strongholds in your life i want to invite you today if you are stuck in something to trust jesus and his power to deliver you from it to deliver you from it and i don't know what it is for you i don't know what it is that's got its grasp on you i don't know what it is that's whispering in your ear But it's a lie. The power of Christ can deliver you. And this is the power that Paul preaches. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world, but they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And secondly, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And I know sometimes I've seen people in the church and they take that verse and they say, that means I can out-argue anybody. No, that means that that voice in us that would be bent against Christ, that would desire that we wouldn't fully know God, that that could be overcome by the gospel and the power of Christ in our life. That those things that keep us from knowing God more fully can be taken away. And this gospel, this good news, this power of God is true for you and for me right now, today, no joke. Whatever it is in your life you've been struggling with, whatever God's been challenging you with in your life, today, he can deliver you from that. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me as we close. I'm gonna ask you to invite God to help you with that work. And I don't know what it is, but we're gonna trust that he's gonna keep his promise and do the work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me if you would. Father God, today as we've come into your word and we've heard all these great things and we we know we want to be faithful to what you've given us and yet the truth is that so many of us are stuck. And and maybe we're stuck in in this place of of, of thinking the gospel isn't for us or or maybe we're stuck in, in a relationship issue or maybe we're stuck in our own stinky sinfulness. We're just stuck in it. Today, Father God, we ask you would deliver us loose, those bindings and set us free father god that you would deliver your people for your glory and by the great power of the gospel and father this isn't some human made up thing but it would be your power manifest amongst your people that you be made known boy that we would worship you fully i mean at the end of the day we wouldn't say thank god for that Church, or that pastor, or that message, or that psalm, we say, Thank God for a Savior who would not leave me stuck. Praise you for your deliverance. Praise you for your great mercy and hope. And today, in everything that we do, from this day on, and every day, in increasing measure, may we bring you glory and honor. May we continue to cast off those things that bind us up, trip us up, and just follow you with everything we have. We love you so much. We thank you so much for what you've done and how, who you are in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would do all this work for your glory and the good of your people and the good of those who have not yet heard this good news. May you be honored as we seek you in everything, in Christ, amen. Before we stand in a final response, I want to say this. We are serious about following Jesus at Family Bible Church. I am serious about following him myself. And if there's anything that we can be praying with you about, are walking with you through, no matter how good, bad, or otherwise it is, we want to be with you on the journey. Come talk to me. Talk to a leadership team member. We will be praying with you and walking with you through whatever comes. I'm going to close with this part. I wanted to do that first. I want to get our hearts right because I want you to see the truth of what we proclaim. And it comes to the very end of this chapter. In verse 12 of chapter 10, the apostle Paul finishes this thought this way. He says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. They're like, Boy, we're doing a good job here, right? We don't do that. When we when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond the proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field that God has assigned to us, our ministry, a field that reaches even to you. And we are not going too far in our boasting as we would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did not get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. And 15, neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of the work done by others. Our hope is that, As your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will be greatly expanded so that we can preach the gospel in the areas beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work that's already done in someone else's territory. But here it is. But let those who boast, boast in the Lord. Let those who boast, boast in Jesus. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. At the end of the day, our great celebration, the great cry of your heart, ought to be praise Jesus Christ for his deliverance. Praise Jesus Christ for his gospel. And praise Jesus Christ for my life that has never been the same. I'm going to invite you now to stand with us and praise Jesus Christ.